Welcome back to Future Women with Jamila Rizvi. I'm Madison Howarth, Future Women's Community Content Coordinator. This summer, we're revisiting our first podcast with new and updated intros from the Future Women team. This episode is all about money and how to ask for what you're worth, an essential topic that many women have been taught to shy away from. It's a misconception that if women would just ask for more money, they'd receive it. However, new research shows that women are asking for pay rises at the same rate as men. They're just more likely to be told no. And according to the Workplace Gender Equality Agency, Australia's gender pay gap is currently 14.2%, with men earning an average of $261.50 more per week in full-time roles. The gap would be worse if we included part-time work, and there's even a pay gap in female-dominated industries, like healthcare and teaching. What's worse, we don't calculate pay gaps for more marginalised groups, such as First Nations women, women of colour, or LGBTIQ communities. Here at Future Women, we love to talk about money. Next year, the first quarter of our Future Proof program is about financial and economic security. Hear from leading economist Angela Jackson, founder of Money School, Lacey Filipich, and Pep Talk hers Maggie Palmer on the economic landscape, securing your financial future, and the big one, negotiating a higher salary. Head to futurewomen.com to sign up for next year's Future Proof. Do you know how much your best mate earns? How about the bloke sitting in the cubicle beside you at work? What's his salary? How about your boss? What do they make each week? What do they take home in a year? The dirty business of money has never been the stuff of polite conversation, and women especially tend to report that they feel kind of funny talking about it. But today I'm going to ask you to change all of that. Because women need to start talking about money. We need to start talking about who earns it and who doesn't, how much and how little, and most particularly, how to get your hands on a fairer share of it. I'm Jamila Rizvi, and today's episode of the Future Women podcast is called Please Sir, Can I Have Some More? More women have the opportunity to drive change. If someone says, I'm not a feminist, I ask, what is your problem? We must do better. So I want all the girls watching here and now to know that a new day is on the horizon. Women will apply for jobs when they are overqualified and men will apply for jobs when they meet like half of the qualifications. And so that same kind of logic carries through to the negotiating table. Inequality is so ingrained in us that we second guess ourselves and we don't have the confidence that most men do when approaching these types of conversations. Women second guess themselves. So I think that that's why most women would struggle to go in and ask for a pay rise. I think women have been taught to be passive for a very long time and that praise and generosity should be something that's given and not asked for. According to the Human Rights Commission, on average Australian women have to work an extra 56 days a year to earn the same pay as a man for doing the same work. The biggest pay gap is at the managerial level, where women are paid 26.5% less than blokes. On average, That's a whopping $93,000 every year. Now, the causes of that gap in pay 
are many and varied. But at least part of the problem is that women are less likely to ask for more money. One study by Babcock and Brown found that when applying for a new job, only 7% of women will try and negotiate on salary. That's compared with 57% of men. And once they've been in the job for a while, women remain less likely to put up their hand to be promoted. Less than one in five women have asked for a pay rise without prompting, compared with nearly one in three men. Carol Frolinger from Negotiating Women says that part of the problem is a self-perpetuating cycle that sees women starting on less and then that gap widening as their careers go on. A lot of times women are asked during um, compensation negotiations for new roles what they were making on their, in their prior job. And what tends to happen is then a particular uh, number is offered that's over the number of their current compensation package. And that tends to be less because women are, on the whole, paid less than their male colleagues. So it's sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy, if you will, because, you know, a, a, a 5% bump or a 10% bump in compensation over an already lower number means that the women are getting less compensation for doing the same kind of work. And that's, of course, not fair and it's not equitable. Carol also explains that it's incorrect to say that women simply need to ask more. Having the confidence to initiate salary negotiations is really important, but that's definitely not the whole story. That's a common misperception in that some women do lack confidence, but certainly when we're talking about, you know, 50% of the workforce, not all of those women are in a situation where they lack confidence. In fact, many are very confident, yet the numbers are still pretty um, compelling that women don't get outcomes as good as their male colleagues. And so you may ask, well, gee, why is that? And the answer is that they're not negotiating on an even playing field. Behaviors that are completely acceptable uh, in the workplace when done by men may not have that same acceptability when women do it. So therefore, you know, women who ask may ask quite well and yet get pushback that a man similarly situated might not get. In 2016, a study conducted using Australian data found that when women did ask for pay rises, they were 25% less likely to get them than the blokes were. By initiating salary negotiations, those women were contravening a social norm. They weren't behaving as women are generally expected to behave in workplaces, and so they were penalised for it. It's about stereotypes that both men and women have about how women should behave and how men should behave. And so it really damages both, you know, holding on to these stereotypes is um, detrimental not only to women, but also to men. And so it's really important to, you know, try to help ourselves and our organizations to think about what we are taking for granted and sort of believing in these stereotypes. So, you know, if we're all more conscious of these things, we'll be able to really advance the, uh, the needle, if you will, 
on gender equity in the workplace. There's a snowball effect at play here. Women are less likely to ask for raises because when they do, they're perceived as aggressive. And as a result, women tend to wait to be offered a raise. We want to preserve our social status. We want to be agreeable and easy to work with. But this also means that we're slower to achieve a promotion or higher pay. These relationships are exactly why negotiating on salary is so hard. This isn't a one-off engagement. You have to show up tomorrow. You have to work with these people. And that makes the balance of niceties and demands far more delicate. These are relationship negotiations. You know, it's very different to negotiate for um, compensation or to negotiate for a new job or to negotiate for uh, credit for the work you do than it is to go in and negotiate for a car. Or Because, you know, you're, you have to live with these people. And when you negotiate for a car, or you want it to be a good experience, you're not terribly concerned about how well the car salesperson found the experience at the end. You know, you're looking for the best car for the price that's fair. Money makes the world go around, the world go around, the world go around. Money makes the world go around, it makes the world go round. Naomi Simpson is the owner of Red Balloon. And yes, she's the tough-as-nails woman from Shark Tank. She says that while sexism is definitely going on here, at least part of the solution, is to simply get better at talking about money. I don't know why money is a dirty word. Money makes our system go round. Without money, we can't buy things, we can't contribute to society. So for some reason, we were raised that it was a dirty thing to talk about money and we really need to get over it when it comes to business and negotiations. I don't know if this is a gender thing. I don't know if men are taught that Talking about money is absolutely okay and it's not for women. But having those conversations, being fiscally responsible and fiscally accountable are really important. So let's do it, shall we? Let's set aside the fact that asking for a bigger salary or fee can be intimidating and, yes, uncomfortable. Let's push past the fact that women are often penalised for asking in the first place. And let's not let either of those things stop us. Let's become negotiating queens. Show me the money. That's it, brother. You got to yell that shit. Show me the money. I need to feel you, Jerry. Show me the money. Jerry, you better yell. Show me the money. First things first, you have to do your research. Every business is different in how they set pay. Uh, Small ones versus large ones. Some have quite an in-depth process using external data sources and research. Others, they wing it and what they can get away with. And, of course, there's other enterprises that have workplace agreements of which a salary um, and pay is set externally from the business and they adhere to that. Uh, So it it really depends on the sort of business that you're in in terms of how the enterprise is going to set your pay. Before asking for a pay rise, arm yourself with info. Find out what the going rate is for the role that you're doing at other companies. Find out what your colleagues get paid. Think about what changes in market conditions, or indeed in your own workload, have happened since your pay last got set. Perhaps you're more experienced, or better qualified, or perhaps you contribute to a higher level now than you used to. Don't just wing it. Prepare 
prepare, prepare. Next, don't couch your approach in terms of what you want, but instead think about what your manager needs. Many people are looking for a pay rise and uh, often they will come almost cap in hand. In fact, I've seen that some people, especially women, will find this a very uncomfortable conversation. And what I see is the people who understand the contribution they make for a, for a business, the people who understand the contribution they make to a business, it's a materially different sort of conversation. So we often see, and we know this from research, that women won't ask for a pay rise. They may well see that their male colleagues are paid more for doing a similar job. And yet we know that women will not say, this is what I'm worth. So I suggest that if you are considering asking for a pay rise, put yourself in the role of your manager, leader or the boss that you're about to ask. Understand what is going to make them successful in their business. Understand what's going to make them successful in the eyes of their superiors. Because if you add value to that, it's a different sort of conversation that you will have. Try to avoid saying why you want to pay rise. Avoid talking about that expensive wedding you've been saving up for or the super high cost of childcare. Instead, focus on why you deserve a pay rise. Key to this is not just talking about how hard you work. Working hard isn't enough for this conversation. You need to focus on outcomes rather than effort. Years and years ago, when I was a young marketer working for a company called Anset, which was an airline a very long time ago, and I was working night and day on a product launch. I was literally working hundreds of hours a week. And I went to my boss's boss to ask for a pay rise. And I said, you know, please, I'm working so hard. I had no power in that conversation. I walked into this manager and I said, I really want a pay rise because I'm working hundreds of hours a week. And he said to me, how do I know how you're contributing to this business? I don't see what you do. Naomi Simpson says that if the negotiation isn't going well, that's actually okay. There is nothing wrong with hitting the pause button and taking the time you need to pull it together. If you're sitting in a negotiation and you know you want to say something and you just don't and you're sitting on their hands, you know that horrible moment when you've had a spouse with somebody and when you leave the conversation, you can think of the five things that you wanted to say and didn't say. You know, there's nothing worse than that happens to everybody. So my suggestion is if you are in that moment and you want to say something but don't feel you're able to for whatever reason, you simply say, there's things I want to say right now but I don't feel unable to say them. Can we regroup? Carol Frolinger says that when it comes to navigating the unconscious biases and hidden sexism in negotiating, finding a sponsor can be critical. And that's a sponsor, not a mentor. It's an important difference. You can't expect other people to read your mind. So, I mean, I work with a lot of women who um, expect that their bosses know that they're happy to take a promotion even if it means relocation. But that may not be the case. You know, you have to raise your hand and say, I am ready for the next level and I am prepared to do this, this, and this. And, you know, again, make it really quite clear that you are, you want to be considered. 
Um, you know, you need to actually ask for sponsorship. This is a real big issue uh, for women in corporate America. There's a recent research that, you know, women are way over-mentored and way under-sponsored. And for listeners who are not familiar with the lexicon, uh, you know, a mentor is someone who to whom you can go for advice, but a sponsor is someone who is going to, within your company, actively promote your career. And when an opportunity comes up, says something like, you know, I think we should be thinking about Regina for this opportunity. So that's a very different, but you can't just expect people will do that. You have to actually negotiate for sponsorship. And I'm not talking about, you know, saying to somebody, let's sit down and, um, you know, I want you to be my sponsor, let's negotiate. It's, it's a lot more subtle than that, but the principles apply. We've talked a lot in this episode about solo negotiations, but it's important to realize that salary and working conditions don't have to be sorted out one-on-one. In fact, working together with our colleagues makes for better outcomes for everyone in the organization. Sally McManus is the Secretary of the Australian Council of Trade Unions. She says that union membership and collective negotiation for better working conditions is absolutely essential for women. Whenever you're negotiating with someone who's got more power than you, it's always better to negotiate with a group because it's the way you even up a power imbalance. So an employer can say no to just one person, but they can't really say no to everyone or a large group of people in their workplace. Women are paid less than men for a lot of reasons, but the number one reason is because in our country, we don't value the work that women traditionally do. So for example, childcare. A childcare worker gets paid the same as someone who is a dog walker, and that's just wrong. And it's because women traditionally have done caring roles and they've done them for free for hundreds of years. And so as a society, we haven't properly valued that work. So that is part of the reason, a big part of the reason why women get paid less than men. If you want to be treated fairly, if you want respect, if you want a pay rise, if you want more secure jobs, the way to go about that and throughout history, the way people have gone about that is sticking together with their fellow workmates because in the end, that's what being in a union is about. We are, after all, stronger together than we are as individuals. Here's actress Octavia Spencer speaking about her colleague Jessica Chastain and how they work together on this very issue. I told her my story and we talked numbers and she was quiet and she had no idea that that's what it was like for women of color. And so she said, I'm probably going to I don't know. These are happy tears. I love that woman because she's walking the walk and she's actually talking the talk. She said, Octavia, we're going to get you paid on this film. I said, I, I would love to do your film, but here's the thing. I'm going to have to get paid. And then she said, we're, of course, and you and I are going to be tied together. We're going to be favored nations, and we're going to make the same thing, and you're going to make that amount. And fast forward to last week, we're making five times what we actually Jessica Chastain believes she she is walking the walk. That's great. And we want to. I mean, now I want to go to what the men are making. (laughs) I want to get. It's been a pleasure having your company for this episode of the Future Women podcast. My name's Jamila Rizvi, and next week we'll be talking about work wives and work husbands, the people without whom work would be 
simply unbearable. Sure, they're good for your mood, but are they harming or helping your productivity in the office? If you enjoyed this episode of the podcast, then please head to futurewomen.com to continue the conversation in our community. Membership is less than the cost of a couple of coffees per month, and we would love for you to join our club. And if you're enjoying the podcast, then please take the time to rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks for listening. 